What's up, everyone? Hey, the Arsenal bros are back. I am here joined by Kev, my guy. We go way back. What's going on? Hey, not too much. Top of the table feels just like last year, right where we want to be. No complaints. I mean, it's uh, can't ask for much more than six points to start the season, can you? It's perfect. It's 100%. Last time I checked, 100% wins us the Prem. I guarantee it. So we keep it up. We're going to be hoisting the trophy probably come like February. I, I like that. Let's 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 take care of that for sure. You heard it. You heard it here first. A, a Arsenal Bros exclusive from Kevin Kesky. So, all right. Well, I'm going to hand it over to you, and uh, you can keep you can keep these hot takes just just coming out. I'm all, I'm all about it. We're here for him all day. Let's talk about Fulham though. A couple of days out from the game, had a little bit of time to digest what happened and. Excited to kind of dig through this a little bit with you. First off, we'll just go with the lineup. Similar to how we went in the opener against Forest. A couple changes. Wait, you, mean, you mean Palace, right? We just played Palace. We play Fulham next. Yeah, my bad, my bad. <laughs> These You're London right. teams. I know. Hard to I, keep up with. I know. I well, you know what? I'm already thinking ahead to Saturday, so it, it's hard to not look ahead when the vibes are good. The vibes are high, so I apologize. First, Palace. Similar lineup to the opener against Forest. Obviously, Timber with his knee injury. Man, we haven't a... talked about that yet. I know. The Let's... hard one. We it don't is. need to, though. <laughs> I think disappointing, obviously, for everyone. Now that we played again, I think it makes it a little bit easier to maybe digest it, but still a lot to... A hard one, indeed. Not Not a hard one. Um, coming into the match, I think a lot of us expected Gabrielle to come back into the lineup. And a couple hours before the game, some pretty big rumors started to come out about Saudi interest. And it really put us, at, at least it put me in a little bit of a tailspin thing. And what on earth is going on? How, what was kind of your thoughts leading into that announcement a couple hours out that he wasn't in the starting lineup and was being linked out of the club? Yeah, I um I was shocked at that and then the him not in the lineup in the starting lineup again really really concerned me because I I mean I just would have fully fully expected him to be in again I mean, after how much he played last season um and how much you just thought the back line would revolve around him and Saliba and all of a sudden that changed and we're seeing it's not just a one-off this is a, a stylistic change and yeah i was pretty worried about the rumors because teams are cashing in on these players to saudi saudi arabia so i thought maybe he has a surplus and we're gonna go do that um yeah was really really surprised to see him not in but i guess uh after two games you're almost more confident that there's bigger changes going on and how, how we're going to, how we're going to go at things this year. For sure. And a lot of people thought Zenchenko may make his debut. I know he played some significant minutes in the closed door scrimmage. I think was it Luton town during you know, the week. I don't remember. I think, yeah, I actually think it was Luton. And so some people thought he could 
potentially come back into the lineup. Obviously, that seems like the most logical switch from there being no timber, but it was actually Tomiyasu coming in at left back. And I think that was, a, I would say, a little bit surprising for Arsenal fans. And so my question for you is, how do you deal with lineup changes in these games? You know, we always expect, especially based on last year, it was almost the same 11 every time out. Do you get excited as a fan when you see maybe a new name <laughs> on the team sheet? Does it stress you out? Where where do you kind of fall in that thought process? This is a great question. I, well, after last season, was so used to seeing that same 11. And I would get stressed when somebody was out of it because that meant somebody was hurt or something happened. And we couldn't couldn't run that strongest 11. We saw that all preseason last year running as strong as we could to get that cohesive group. And I think we rode that as long as we could, but all it took was one injury to Saliba and then we couldn't play the same way. And so this has been interesting tinkering a bit. And I think in some positions I'm excited to, I'm, I'm getting more excited to see it because I think we're seeing slight rotation. And I think everybody's been really calling for Arteta to be more flexible to rotate more and we haven't had a squad to be able to rotate. So I understand that, but now I think we do. And we're seeing a little bit of a horses for courses kind of approach to things. We can be a little more strategic about who we play and, and when we play them and we're doing that. So I've been excited to see that. So yeah, I think I'm more along the lines of excited, but when you see, I think there's a couple guys that if they're not in the lineup, you're going to be concerned. Saka, Odegaard, and Saliba. If those guys aren't in, I'm worried something happened because you think those three uh, and Declan Rice are going to be in pretty much no matter what. So, yeah, what do you think? What's your take on that? Yeah, it's a good question. What Kind of what brought this to mind was going all the way back to the opener versus Forest, and most... Most people, myself included, thought that Havertz may actually get to start at center forward. And Eddie was on the team sheet. And, you know, we had a long back and forth about, I think I used the word that sometimes guys kill my mood. And I think, <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but like, I know what Rob, you mean. Rob Holding in seasons past, you know what? He's, I think, safe to say, been a fan favorite, a guy who always gives it all. But when you would see his name on that team sheet, center back, it's just you you never walked into the game feeling as good. And I think the nice thing this year is we've seen it with Eddie, and there's been – I think there's always going to be fans that are hard on certain guys, and it's hard to argue against what Eddie did week one. Obviously, we'll get into his second performance, but, man, doesn't it feel good to have depth to the point where you can start these guys and you're really not stressed about it? It doesn't feel like the end of the world. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have to only do just a couple at a time or have, yeah, just to, just to have that depth for sure. We just, we just haven't had it in the slightest, honestly. So yeah, just excited to actually have that. So. Positive changes. It's the payoff from trusting the process, right? It's just steady squad building that's taken a long time. A long time it has to but because you can't do it overnight as we're seeing with chelsea can't just sure. can't just get all these guys in there they got to be the right guys and you almost have to injury proof 
every position. And I think we're steadily trying to do that. Getting much closer. And so hours leading up to the match also saw a tweet from Orbino, who an account we love to follow. And the tweet said that under Arteta, Arsenal were 0-4 all time on Monday nights. And there have been some just awful performances <laughs> to forget. I saw that tweet and I'm like, oh man, I I was not feeling good. If we go back to a little over a year ago, season opener at Ooh. Palace, Ooh. we'll say that was a five out of ten confidence level in yeah. getting the in getting the three points. Where did you feel coming into this match this season? Um yeah, I mean I think after having that last season, that was great. But I do, I really hate the Monday night games. I, especially as an American, you get them Monday afternoon. And it's like, I told, I told my friends that it's like, I, I need to see if my weekend was ruined or not, even though it was Monday, but you almost retroactively see how your weekend was based off of a result that's on Monday. So I, I mean, after looking at Palace's, first game I wasn't too threatened by them but just attacking wise I feel like they're lacking Olise was out um, that was a huge loss for them without Zaha he's given us plenty of issues so I felt like I think I think they might have a hard time um, putting up a decent attack on us but I uh, man after going to Sellers Park last year and just a, a Monday night game, yeah. Orbino always hits those daggers, for sure. Those are always he always finds a way to make you rethink how you're feeling about it. I I predicted a one one nil, and I just had a feeling it was going to be a a gritty game like that. Yeah, there's no doubt, and that's I think exactly what we got in that first 15 minutes. The guy who always seems to kill us, Jordan Ayew had a pretty good go of it at Tomiyasu getting in behind there, whipped a couple balls in dangerously and Rambo dealt with a couple of them. I know Saliba cleared one out and at the other end, we saw runs from Eddie Saka and Martinelli all kind of going on these long dribbles, but unfortunately not able to necessarily connect too much in the final third. And then the first, I'd say big chance of the game came in the 29th minute when Enketia received the ball turned and then somehow held off his defender. It was a really nice move. And then I think, was it left foot off the yeah. far post and out? Yeah. Great take for sure. Spun his defender really well. Um, took a good first touch to get that. And yeah, left foot a shot just didn't bend at all. It was such a tight angle. I think Johnstone did well to, just just cover it enough and push it just far enough out have to have to make Eddie go far enough wide and yeah it was a, a tough chance and a goal that would have, I think you would, would have had to say that's a great goal but a, a good a good take from a a tricky position but no dice yeah and one of those that sometimes you can tell how the feel of the match is going based on mm. the way Twitter reacts <laughs> to misses and that was one that that people were angry that he didn't score. And I'm like, man, that was, I thought it was such a, such a good turn and take by him to hold off the defender, get the shot on target. And, and seeing that it's kind of like, all right, this is, 
we're frustrated right now. I understand it a little bit, but I think a, a little bit a sign of hopefully positive things to come. A chance like that, you're just like, how long of a day is this going to be? There, there's no, there's no doubt. And it, it was just a couple of minutes later that you really started to think how long of a day it was going to be. It was again that man IU got in behind and the Rolls Royce in the back, Saliva chases him down. Which, to be fair, Saliba gave the ball away. But as great defenders do, they make up for their mistakes. And Saliba left his feet in the box. I don't know about you. I was wincing seeing him leave his feet, especially <laughs> as, as a coach of college guys myself. You see that, and the worst comes to mind. You're just thinking red card penalty kick and another 0-5 record on Monday Night Football. But just an absolutely gorgeous tackle. It's one that it was, yeah. it was so close that you you are waiting for VAR because you just don't know. And to be honest, there was almost no reaction from IU himself. Yeah, that was uh in watching that back, he actually applauds it, which is is pretty impressive. So kudos to him. But man, he always turns up against us. I of all and then I feel like he goes missing until we play them again. <laughs> I don't know how it happens every time, but IU of all people finds a way to, I guess, just like Zaha did. He's got to carry on that legacy, but what a tackle from Sliba. You're right. He did give that away, but man, a tremendous, tremendous tackle. And there's no doubt. And like happens so often in football, a big play on one end goes down to the other end. And just what was an excellent run from Declan Rice cut inside and then played it a little nice slotted ball into Eddie and Eddie, I think a little bit, maybe caught him between two minds, tried the chip. And if we're being honest, it wasn't his greatest, greatest effort on goal. And it went over and, and you know, fans can be unfair to a player when you're first thought as, Oh man, what's, what are people going to say about this? And <laughs> you, you are definitely an Eddie supporter. What, what goes through your mind on a miss like that? Are you thinking, oh, man, I, I wonder what people are going to say about that? <laughs> I just think they're going to come after me now. It's like, uh, I don't know, you just you just back somebody so hard and then they don't come through for you. And you're like, man, I'm going to have to rationalize this somehow. I mean, that was a great ball from Declan Rice. Well, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about him because he was tremendous. I think um, the Arsenal Twitter voted him man of the match, but just got himself in a position that I'm sure he didn't find himself in too much with West Ham. He was so far forward and great slid ball in and a great run from Eddie and his decision to lift it. I think most said it was, I think Andros Townsend, the announcer said it was the right decision and the ball was bobbling a little bit and maybe that helped in his decision to do that. But I was just really surprised that he, got it so wrong because he was so close and just felt like that that's a finish I think we've seen him make numerous times. I mean, when you get Eddie in and he gets a chance to put one max two touches and finish, I think you'd bet on him more than a lot of guys in our team. And yeah, I was just, that was a letdown because he had missed the other one too. I mean, got himself into two really good positions and Took them both well, but comes away with no goals. And 
And then you're like, I you just these tricky these away games. You're just like, okay, when's that next chance gonna come? Are we going to be able to break them down even more? So yeah, I felt like just a great play all around. But when it's when it's your guy that you're backing, you're like, oh geez, I'm gonna have to answer to the hounds about this. And the the ironic thing is, is last year when Jesus went out. Eddie came in and so many people were calling for him to play like Jesus. And ultimately they're just not the same player. Right. But that performance yesterday was very Jesus like, and he went on some of these slalomy runs with the ball, carrying it forward. And then when he got himself into good positions, he missed. And it felt so reminiscent to what Jesus was giving us last year. And I think towards the end of the season, people were even a little bit frustrated with him. But yeah, I think that's the only a, th- a major slate of Jesus is just not I mean, not creating chances. And you've said it all week. I mean, strikers need to score goals. And if it takes a couple chances to do that, but then they ultimately score and we win, then then that's fine. But it's the ones that when uh, when you miss chances and don't get the three points, that's when that's when things are, especially in the media and the fans. That's when things. Things get said. There's there's no doubt, and definitely a let off there. And it was about six minutes later, Arsenal had a little bit more sustained possession. Odegaard got inside, I think on his left foot, and smashed one. And Johnstone tipped it over, giving us a corner kick. And they showed the replay, and initially it looked like straight down the middle, and the shot really was, but it was from such an angle that Johnstone made just an incredible save where he was. And if that ball is anywhere left or anywhere right, it is 1-0. And, man, we're talking about an absolute golosso from Odegaard. And, again, it was just that feeling of, man, is it one of those days? Like, what's <laughs> is this? is this really how it's going to go down today? Yeah, my mind went there, too, and then thought, man, are we really going to start the season not winning our second game? And... And then you, I mean, you just look at City and you're like, now we have to chase. And when are they going to drop points? And my mind just went, you just can't help. But after last season, we're almost conditioned to go there now just because we know what we're up against and how perfect you have to be. So, yeah, every, every chance in a game that you're not winning or close game, you know, I feel like you go there. You have to, and to be fair, I'm sure City look at us right now, and I think they'd be lying to you if if they said they didn't feel the same way Mm. with, especially how most of last season went, how I think we think this year will go, but we'll get get back to that discussion here in a bit. Closing out the first half, Eze got forward and had a bit of a penalty shout, I think on Partey maybe, and goes down easy and... David Coote, another guy we'll come back to, tells him to get up. And it was just one of those. It was such a bad dive that I remember going through my mind, like, how can a referee see that? I know referees are supposed to just ref and not hold things in the back of their head, but how can a referee see that and not mentally keep that image of that guy going down so easily and ref it accordingly the rest of the way? And in my mind, I'm like, all right, is this maybe a precursor to things to things that will happen later? Is he going to get that call later? Is he not going to? And I think 
we saw it later on how much the referee can impact and and how crucial those calls are whether they're made or not made and then first half thoughts i know we talked about rice a little bit i thought he was outstanding his vertical dribbling which was something like you said we didn't see a ton at west ham was just so so impressive for me and i guess more than anything else i think what he adds is just that physicality he can cover ground quickly he's big and he was like you said easily my man of the match overall and in that first half for sure any other thoughts on declan rice before we kind of move on from him yeah just in in a game like that he's a player that you're just counting on for a a seven out of ten an eight out of ten performance and yeah he absolutely did that i mean you're, you're seeing that defensive side you're seeing that stability and you're seeing him show a side that you maybe didn't think he had in the offensive um it, just sliding balls in and and um which which is exciting because if he unlocks that too it, the whole system I, i'm sure we need to spend some time talking about that system the the difference in the system from last year to this year and and uh it it's still it's still really messing me up trying to understand it. By about the time I understand it, it'll probably change. So it uh yeah, Rice was Rice was great. And I'm just excited to see him continue to bloom and find new ways because I'm sure he's being challenged and stretched in ways that he definitely definitely wasn't. And I feel like at West Ham he probably I don't want to say outgrew it, but he, he knew he had done what he could there. And and now he's uh, he's not a big fish anymore. I mean, he's a big fish in a in a bigger pond, and it's pretty cool to see him with some of our players too, and how they are creating creating new connections and new new partnerships on the field. No, no doubt in there, and. You know, getting back to Palace, any other halftime changes you were calling for? I know I was clamoring a little bit for Zinchenko. thought he could come in and 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 change it, obviously, for it offensively. But I think you used that word PTSD. Going back to the end of last season, a little bit of Zinchenko PTSD, PTSD <laughs> with his defensive work. But I know that was... One thing I was looking for, were there any other changes or players you were hoping to see quickly out of halftime? Um, yeah, the, Z- the Zinchenko change crossed my mind too, but I, I mean, he, he trained all week, so it was kind of, I was kind of surprised to not see him, but it's it's a long season. We got big Champions League games. I think we're seeing Mikel really try to get, get other guys in and, and see who can do different things and some people on twitter are saying we're still experimenting and i'm thinking man i don't think we're experimenting in games like this that matters so much but i do think there's an element of trust that's in there and and just slow rolling things to not not rush in just because last year i think we did sprint and ran out of gas and it cost us everything and this year i think we're building to hopefully get to a point where the business end of the season, we're at our 
at our peak. And I mean, that's, that's been the city formula. And I feel like we've really, really taken that. So yeah, outside of my thought of Zinchenko as well, I didn't see anything else that seemed reasonable. Yeah. And second half started out similar to how much of the first half went. And in the 51st minute, I think, was it Sokka fouled top of the box? Um, I can't remember? remember who it was. I think it was Probably. Sokka cut inside on his left. Well, he's fouled 16 times a game, so chances are. And have a free kick in a pretty dangerous spot, and then all of a sudden, quickly, the ball's played into Eddie, and and he's going forward, meeting the keeper, and just gets a touch in in front of the keeper. Johnstone takes him down, and... You're, is you just hold your breath for a second. Like, are they calling it? What's happening? And the Arsenal fan PTSD kicks in. You're like, oh, we're not going to get this call. And all of a sudden, you see him point, and you're just, I was fist pumping. I was in my office at work watching on my computer, and I'm fist pumping, going crazy. When you see the replay, did you feel like the penalty was going to stand? Where was your thoughts on seeing the replay? Yeah, I mean, my... With VAR, if if they call it right away, whatever they call, I think it's just going to be hard to overturn. Um, so the fact that they called it, I mean, there's there's contact. So, um, yeah, I, I, of course I'm going to say I thought it was the right call. Um, right. Cheap, cheeky play from Martinelli to do that and a great run from Eddie. I mean, you see them lock eyes and him make that run and a dangerous ball. And I think this is definitely not, not the last time we're going to see that. So I think we've seen it before for sure. So yeah, loved, loved the play all around. And you as a keeper, I mean, (laughs) you knew he was probably in trouble. I mean, I feel like whenever you slide out, full sprawl and aren't at least touching the ball or claiming it that you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And that's where I think for me, obviously you're right. I was happy the call stood. I was a little bit nervous and it can be a little bit frustrating as a keeper because you look at it and you're like, there's no way Eddie was getting on the end of that pass. Like it was gone or on the end of that touch, it was gone, but we could talk about that for ages and really not come to a conclusion. I think I said it immediately after the goal. I feel like that was straight off the training ground. You watch mm. Partey in that in that setup, screened off almost yes. two drives. I, that, I thought if it wasn't called, it was going to be because of that because he definitely is not. I mean, he's definitely setting a pick and moving, and I think Gahey went down pretty easy, but I, yeah. that's what I was worried about, not – not the Johnstone contact or Eddie's touch or anything, but I was pretty worried about that that screen and that that was going to. I, I was actually expecting it to be overturned because of that, but I mean, he's so far. There's no way he was getting there anyway. So um, no, and I thought we'll give credit where credit to do. I think that one was. We may never know the true answer, but. As a coach, and you you coach too, you know, that is one that's been worked on over and over in the training ground. They know when when that play is used, you can probably use it two or three times a season, and it worked <laughs> to absolute perfection. Yeah. And 
and as that's going on, we're looking and all of a sudden Odegaard grabs the ball and it's, I've seen, I've heard Ars blog talk about this other podcasts talk about it. When that penalty kick was called, who do you right now as an Arsenal fan want to step up and take it? Or are you just okay with really whoever? Well, I saw Saka have it first during the exchange and then, um, yeah, and then flipped it to Odegaard and it sounded like Arteta just let them figure it out. There wasn't a set taker. And yeah, as a coach, I feel like I there'd be certain guys I'd want to take it, but I think shows a level of trust and um, trust in the players. And I think when you have that, you there's just a level, a new level you can reach as a team. And it obviously helps when you make it. And I loved Andros Townsend. Um, so that's a really good modern penalty. And Peter Drury I really liked how he said modern because he said it's becoming so hard for keepers to save penalties because players aren't just taking three steps back and running up to it at the same pace every time, putting in the ball with the same pace. They're changing their run-up, and because they continue to move, the keepers have no chance. Like Unless you take a bad penalty or don't put it on frame, it's about a goal every time because – Keepers just can't time it. So I, I loved seeing uh, with some of Saka's penalty say issues, I guess. I don't know. We might be having a little penalty by committee. I, I do miss the days of having like Robin Van Persie in. I mean, he's about as automatic. Him and Henri were about as automatic as they could get. And yeah. I feel like we went, we've been a, a little while since we've had, you know, guys you're so confident, Aubameyang. Had a, had a spell. I feel like Lacazette had a spell where I think actually Lacazette was pretty good, but um, that was the only way he was scoring. But um, I just remember, I guess, with Aubameyang mainly, and and then just not be, outside of him. I think it was pretty touch and go um, about who we had. But loved seeing the captain step up and and take care of that. And um, and, and Saka was the first one over there. And was so happy for him. So, I mean, I can't believe we have a player like Saka at age 21 able to do that. I able to give that up and celebrate it at the same time, and uh, says a lot about him as a person and a player. No, no doubt. And it was like you said, almost a perfect penalty from Odegaard, one zero, and had to feel pretty good going forward going forward from there hoping obviously we can get a second and it wasn't long after the goal that it felt a little bit like Arsenal were starting to you can call it time wasting taking the air out of the game however you want to phrase it taking long on goal kicks and in the 60th minute is when things began to kick off a little bit ball went out of bounds and Havertz picked it up held it for a little bit tossed it to Martinelli who then holds and he tosses the to Tomiyasu who had the ball for, I believe eight seconds. And all of a sudden out comes the yellow card. And it's like, is it that new rule? Like, what are we doing here? It's just seemed so, it seems so short. We have, and we almost have never seen guys get penalized for that. And in the moment it was annoying, but didn't seem like the end of the world. <laughs> You know, I think it's going to take something 
just ridiculous for it to slow down a little bit. Yeah, I. It's such a hard one because I I just feel like you have to set you have to you could give one warning to the entire team, and next time it takes too long, you book them. But I feel like without the warning, and if that would have been nil nil, no one would have thought anything about it. But because we were up, it instantly became time wasting. And I mean, to be fair, the ball was thrown to a couple, couple players, and Tomiyasu was was the one stuck with it. But I, I feel like booking the first one like that. I mean, it just, it's just not. I mean, if you're already adding the time on, like if they're doing the FIFA added time, then you can you can still have teams waste time. And I don't know, like, I, I like the idea because this, I mean, my biggest beef, one of my biggest beefs last year was Newcastle doing this to us all the time and not getting penalized for it and also us not getting the time for it. But if we're getting the time for it, then that makes the bookings less of a concern. And I'm okay with the Tomiyasu booking if he was warned or the team was warned, but it was the first I think the first instance of it after the goal and it was a straight booking and uh, we'll talk about what happens next year soon. And that is also something I have an issue with. So I guess my answer would be if, if he would have been warned there and one warning to anyone on the team or one warning just to the team, the Oku could have gone over to Arteta and just made a signal or to Odegaard, the captain, like no more of that. Next one, next one will get booked. Uh, and I just think, I think that seems fair to me, but yeah, I think it all unraveled quite a bit pretty quickly. Yeah. And that was for me, it was, did it feel like a long time was three guys necessary? Probably not, but I'd be frustrated as an opposing fan. Yes. But give a warning, and then they do it again, bring out the yellow. But it just seemed a little bit premature to me. Yeah, I don't think that helped because we were away. If we were the home team, they might have been more forgiving, but they're always going to be vocal about it when it's happening against them, and that probably didn't help either. No doubt. A couple minutes after that, another good chance for Arsenal. Ball pops out wide, and Havertz hits a hits a volley that flashes past the far post. I actually thought the ball was going in. I don't know why. I think it was just false hope on my part, <laughs> but flashed just wide. And you know, Havertz is another guy. We talked about Eddie earlier. There's been so much. I think he's a player that the fans don't understand quite yet. And <laughs> people have been very hard on him, but a couple stats for him, obviously only through two games, the most tackles by an Arsenal player, the most ground covered by an Arsenal player. Where do you fall in that Havertz debate? Do you feel like he's been <laughs> a good signing so far, or do you feel like we are missing out in I, having him in our 11? I have been just tussling with this all week. I love the question. And to go back to that chance, I really love that he took that. Um, it, it was going to take something special to go in, but it, I saw it bouncing on his strong foot. I'm like, have a go. And I'm glad he did. Um Man, I mean, through two games, leading the team in duels one and leading the team in distance covered. 
And I think if you were to see that on paper, because he's these first two games he's playing in midfield, if you were to say the Granite Xhaka replacement leads the team in duels and leads the team in distance covered, you would have been like, this this guy is, I mean, this is the best signing we could ask for. And then you tell them, well, it's actually Kai Havertz, and he hasn't had a goal or an assist yet. You're like, oh, well, he's a center forward. He needs to be doing that. And I, is he a direct shocker replacement? Absolutely not. We're we're obviously playing in a significantly different way, and we're able to move on. I mean, I was I was calling for this. I, I think at some point last year, it's like I love what Jacques is doing, but we are going to have to upgrade and move on because he can only take us so far. Credit to him, he had a tremendous season, and I think maxed out. And you know, Havertz is providing something so different. And I think with Rice in there too, we can play a different way. Getting Jesus back in training today, I think that is a lethal link up waiting to happen with Jesus dropping in and Havertz getting in behind or floating. It just he takes up such interesting positions. And I, you know, I keep I'm excited for him to score his first because I think he'll bang on after that. And but you can't it's so hard to judge him because you have the price tag you have his his goal scoring ability and maybe coming in with a lack of that a lack of goals and end product maybe not ability but from a disastrous season all around from Chelsea last year and but I mean he's not playing in the front three so if he's playing as a midfielder, and like I said, he's leading in those categories. People are saying those are cherry-picked. They're not, because if that was anybody else, people be going crazy. You know Arteta loves guys who run and work, and you know he absolutely loves those duels. And if you lose them, he'll be upset. So I, he's an interesting player, and I, I don't want to say the jury is out because it's two games, but... I'm just so intrigued. I think that's just the word because this whole new style, I haven't wrapped my head around it. And by the time I will, will change and evolve. But no doubt. I'm just very, he just picks up such interesting positions. Like he's always, he just re- he's so predatory and just ready to pounce. I mean, he, the work he's doing defensively, I just don't even think is noticed. And I mean, at the end of the game, I thought he held the ball up for us tremendously I and mean, he's such an intrigue i mean six four uh blistering pace um winning duels winning aerial duels like it's almost like money ball to where arteta said i need i need somebody that w- has these stats that wins aerial duels that wins ground duels that is this height and then you throw them in and things happen and I- i'm just I, I love watching him because I, I'll just take my eyes off the ball and watch Kai Havertz and see where is he. And I'd encourage you to do that next game. You just see where where is he ending up? What is he? What positions is he taking up? What is he trying to do? Um, where is he going? Who's he taking with him? Who's he opening up? And it's a little bit of an education into the system, but also just an education. Um, into him as a player and where he's comfortable and, and just what he's being asked to do. So very long winded answer there, but 
I I am just uh, it's been a long time since I think we've had a player that I'm like what is he man like what is he being asked to do it's so different than than what I've seen and I'm just not sure and I'm really excited to see what's next yeah a, a bunch of good thoughts there you could easily listen to that back and pick out three four different things you said and for me i think the thing i like the most about him is the different roles he's played whether it's in the center mid whether it's as a nine both games he's gone forward and played the nine when eddie's been subbed off and he's battled up front and we were told two things when he came over from chelsea that he couldn't defend and he was soft and leads our team in tackles and leads our team in ground cover. The antithesis of both of those points. And I think that's, that's what's exciting for me. The talents there, the goals will come. The assists will come. If we're being honest, he could have two or three assists already between Martinelli against mm -hmm. Forrest, between Eddie in this game, it's going to happen and it's going to be, it's going to be a good time when it does. And, you know, getting back to palace, it was just a minute, after that missed volley that lose, we lose the ball central ball gets played in behind Tomiyasu. Then all of a sudden you see IU go down. And my first thought was, Oh crap. It looked like to me, it looked like a foul in person. And my first thought is it's that's a yellow he's gone and didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Was that your immediate reaction to, or did you think dive right when you saw it? Yeah, I, I thought he was in trouble. And obviously watching it back, you see, you see how uh, much or how little was in it. And you're like, man, it really makes you want to change. What, what the, the same, IU made the same foul on Saka on a yellow. and Even more in, cynical. Oh, yeah. I mean, pu grabbing him and pulling him back. And... This, I felt like, happened higher up the pitch, and there was cover behind him. And, uh, yeah, I just really could not believe that. And that's – I think this is part of my my issue with the um, not being able to review, uh, not being able to go to VAR for a, a second yellow because it, it is a yellow card. Like, I, I understand – like oh, by the letter of the law, you can't, you can't go to VAR for a yellow card. But it led to a red. It led to a sending off, which is a, a obviously changing the game in a significant way. And you go back to that, the, the time wasting yellow card for sure. And it's like okay, you know, if you're gonna die on this time wasting hill, that's one thing. But then you were choosing to die on. It, that rule needs to the rule of a second yellow need the reviewing needs to change like i get we can't review every yellow card but if it leads to that then i i mean i really feel like i really feel like that's something that needs to be looked into so absolutely and it's a it's a pretty simple concept as far as if it's going to change the game just let's vars in there to improve the game to improve the appeal as fans and to make sure things don't happen that negatively impact outcome of games. And, and this was absolutely one of those situations. And for the player himself, you hope that 
this isn't a big setback for him. I know. Has there been word as to whether that card has been, the red card has been rescinded or not? I know I've seen stuff saying it would be, but you can't always trust what you read on Twitter. Do, have you heard any updates on where that's at? No, I haven't. I know McAllister got his overturned, but I haven't seen anything for Tomiyasu. So, um, yeah, hard, hard done for him. He finally gets a chance with uh, with Timber out and Zinchenko out, and that's what happens. So, we'll I think I mean we'll have to we'll have a third a third straight game of probably a different left back. So, and it was interesting. Immediately, it was Saka to left back. In that it's flashbacks there minute directly after that, that it is number 77 back there. And just a couple of minutes later, obviously at that point, Gabriel was sent to warm up and he came in and going down to 10. Where was the confidence meter at for you at that point? Did you feel like three points was still reasonable that we should take the game to him? Or was it kind of a, a tailspin for you mentally? Yeah. I mean, I thought we could do that, but I really thought, we were going to have to dig, dig pretty deep and get in that low block right away. And Mikel did that. I mean, he wasted no time. I mean, we were dominating in just in control up to that point, but had to, had to batten down the hatches and especially in a way on that Monday night, like had to do it. And it didn't take long from there for drama to begin as a, again, in the box, has some nice footwork and kind of goes in between Partey and another Arsenal defender goes down. And of course, Townsend's on there saying, Oh, that's a stonewall penalty. And I'm watching it on replay and I'm like, I don't know about this. It just that people use the phrase, if there's contact, it's a foul. And I'm like, that is to me, that is not contact does not equal foul contacts a part of the game. And it seemed soft. And, you know, I alluded to it from the first half. It, it seemed like I. that's why the card wasn't given was because David Coutts saw that action in the first half and just just natural human reaction. And thank goodness he didn't make that call because I don't know that it's overturned. Yeah, if he calls that, there, he doesn't overturn it. Um, and so that's why I thought when he didn't call it, I thought we were going to be okay. And same thing with our penalty. Yep, we... We survived. That was that was a tough one. I don't think he had the angle to call that. And I mean, as an Arsenal fan, I always say, of course, that's the right call. But he, I don't think he had the angle to call that. I mean, Eze beats, can't remember who it was, beats the first defender. I mean, and beats the second. I mean, Party was the second. And I think there's an angle where you see Party just touch the ball. And if I mean, if they caught that, then I think that's the only way he got around it. But Lucky boy dangling the leg out there because if he doesn't touch that, that's a that's a penalty. Um, yeah, uh, that w- uh, the red card and then a penalty just would have capped off a a crummy day. Yeah, only uh, five only five minutes apart. Yeah, just too. a game we were in control of, and I mean that's all it takes for it to quickly quickly uh disintegrate no doubt and about seven minutes later 79th minute Jorginho comes on as a sub helping solidify things time 
I don't know about you, time for me ticking by so slowly in that second half. I think I was wa- watching like every 15 seconds, and I'm like, all right, we're a quarter of a minute through, <laughs> half a minute through, three-fourths of a minute, going so, so slow. And not too many subs have been made. I didn't I didn't know if Sinchenko was going to come on. He's not a, typically been a defender who comes on as a substitute in matches. And 90th minute, 89th minute or so, Zinchenko and Kivior both come on. And did you feel like we'd be able to see it out at that point? Or yeah, I really, I really wanted. Nerves really setting in. <laughs> the nerves were in. I really wanted Kivior in earlier. I just, I really like him. And I think he's got, especially being down a man, I think he was a guy like, you can just throw him in, in the back and he, he's going to defend in every way Mikel wants him to. It's similar to Tomiyasu, the left-footed Tomiyasu, honestly. So I, that's kind of how I saw him um, him needing to come in and, and really wanted him earlier. For sure. I think a, a lot of us were calling for substitutions maybe a little bit earlier, but that's also just the stress we deal with as fans. And It's hard because you don't, you don't want to change too much. Um, right. And all of a sudden you got three – four new guys out there and we're down a man. So everything changes and all of a sudden you give one up and it's like, well, we changed too much too fast. And once, once those two guys came on, Arsenal had sustained possession, almost close to like a minute, minute and a half worth of possession really killed part of that game out. And it was a little bit frustrating for me at the time. Cause I felt like, Maybe we gave them too much respect once mm. we went down a man. Yes, I, I saw people saying the same thing. But either way, obviously we can't go back and change that now, but that double substitution really slowed things down. And really at that point, Palace only had one more half chance in there, and that was a ball that was fizzed in. Rambo kind of made an initial save. It bounced down to Mitchell and was a – a little bit squeaky bum time because Rambo <laughs> was out. Guys were queuing up on the goal line, and Mitchell just absolutely shot one to the moon. Yeah, I was a little worried when that popped out, but he rushed his finish so much, and we made it out of the woods there. Yep, and that was that was 95th minute, and that was about it. 98th minute, whistle blows. You're just waiting for this to go to like 99 into the hundreds, but whistle blows three points. I think job well done. I'll I'll ask you this hot take. The biggest takeaway from this match for you. Ooh, um, two of them. I think the Declan Rice effect and just putting in a full game shift. And I think seeing his leadership as well. Um, and then I would say I would say the transition from you know last year, last couple of years, like the sub was Rob Holding to see it out. And this season it was Kivior, Jorginho, um Zinchenko. And we just absolutely when they all came in, we just absolutely controlled everything. So I uh we'll be interested to see if if that's how we continue to see games out, but that's a massive upgrade. For sure. It felt a little bit city-esque to me in the way. Mm. Just that last couple of minutes that they came in, just passed them to death, even down a man, and and kind of killed 
their spirits a little bit. And I think I'd agree. The biggest takeaway for me is I felt like it was Declan Rice's breakout game. Obviously only game official game number two in an Arsenal shirt, but man, he was, he was lights out and about the best player on the pitch. And my, the final question regarding sort of the palace game, but going forward is what position do you feel like Declan Rice features in the most for the rest of the season? That question is sent in by loyal Arsenal bro, BK. Love that. Sure. We'll be checking this out, but what position will Declan Rice feature in the most for us this season? Ah, it's just so much different with party at right back and nobody saw that coming. And, um, just somewhere in the midfield. I think it's less about positions and formations now, and it's just game by game. Things are things are just roles are more clear and defined. And I don't think it's gonna be like last season where it's like Shaka's that left left eight, Party holds, Odegaard's the right eight. I think we're gonna get things slightly changing over and over, and partnerships and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. That's that's my answer. I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm I can't wrap my head around this new lineup. It's caught me off guard so much, and I'm really having to lock in to it off the ball to figure out what's what's really going on. And you get so used to seeing party in the middle doing everything, and now he's out at right back. And then he comes in and he's out, and it's a it's a major evolution for sure. So I have no idea. What do you think, man? I, I think it'll be very, very close. I, I don't think ultimately Partey is going to get probably more than five starts at right back. I could be wrong. I probably probably am wrong, but I may say one of the eights with Partey anchoring the midfield, but man, we'll see. As long as he's in there, like you said, I am more than okay with the way we're going going to set up. And like you said, I feel like he's one of the guys who is irreplaceable in our lineup. I might say Sokka, Odegaard, Rice, Saliba, and then I might throw Blanco in there too. But I think he's a guy who is going to be on that first team sheet every game. It's just a matter of what players are etched in around his name. Yeah. Very, very intrigued just to see what combinations and I, I got to take this game by game, but it's, it's been, it's been so much for me to, to figure out. And I'm really excited about it. Cause it's obviously, uh, it gives us a new, a huge element of control, maybe less chances created. But I think once, I mean, we're going to get two of our number one choices, Zinchenko and Gabby Jesus back, maybe by this weekend. I, I think Zinchenko has a, a chance to start. Jesus probably, maybe, maybe the United game, maybe still not even then yet. But I think once we see that, we're going to see a different, evolution or different sides of this new formation and and then we got to figure out how to keep up with it all over again our heads will be spinning again and 
Like, I and love then, it because, like, that's us as a fan. Like, how do you defend that? How do you prepare for that? It's so. tough, and that was what Roy Hodgson had to say. Hodgson had to say was Arsenal are so deep and so hard to predict how they're going to play and have so many guys that can beat you. And he's not my favorite manager, but he's a manager that you can respect for sure and knows knows what he's talking about. And he said, I think his ex- other words were that he feels like Arsenal will hoist the trophy at the end of the season. And who knows how serious he is about that comment, but I'm not too displeased that those comments are being made about us right now. I love that. I mean, I love the stat of games since I don't know, a certain date that we've gone, gone ahead. We've won 32, drawn four and lost zero. Like we were just, we were always that team that was slated about how we can't see games out, how we have a soft underbelly, how we have no spine. Like if that stat doesn't change that, I don't know what will, because that's, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty disturbing stat. If you go down, I mean, I always felt like that too. If, if we score, like how, how, how are we going to, how are we not going to take care of this? So no doubt we've, we've proven it. So, and then we'll look forward a little bit into this finishing this week out and then towards Fulham on the weekend. And some news that came out earlier this morning, Lakonga, Nuno, KT and Holdini all out of training today, looking to be sold. Um, Any of those shocking to you or pretty much, what we've been expecting for months now. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the individuals aren't surprising because they all seem like their time is up and they're not first choice and they're not first choice on the bench either. Um, you know, that bench can only be so big and there's just other guys they just you just need out there or are our, our Mikel Arteta guys out there. So yeah, I feel bad for him because that's just hard. I think it's just hard to hard to feel like a team when your teammates aren't around. I trust Mikel handled it in a decent way. I mean, he's shown through the documentary that he you trust him with those types of conversations, and um, but it's it's part of the business and it's just part of getting better and that's hard. And I know KT is a big, big, big fan favorite. And I think that's, that's pushing people over the edge a little bit about reacting to this, but we've moved on. I said that last year we've, we've moved on. He's a great guy and a great player, but we have no use for him in what we're doing right now. I thought maybe he had hope at left center back, but you have Kivior, you have Gabriel. It just there's just no room, and he's he's too good of a player to be doing that, to be on the bench, and he's too expensive for us to not be getting something for him and getting some type of loan fee. I think uh, I think will be beneficial. So yeah, it's a. I kind of wish he would have gotten a, a happier ending for his sake. Um, but I feel like you could tell for a while it wasn't going to be with us. So wish him wish him well, and hopefully we can get a, a fair fee for him 
eventually. And the rest of them. Yeah. There's there's about- no I think that's obviously we talked about it before. The next evolution in this Arsenal squad and Arsenal as an organization is being able to get get the most out of the guys that aren't playing. And another one of those guys, Pepe, rumored to be back in, not rumored, he posted pictures inside Colney at training today. I think obviously everyone is shocked by that. And my my initial thoughts on that are just that we're bringing, we're bringing him back basically as a little bit of a threat to the rest of the teams, especially in Saudi Arabia, maybe in France, saying, all right, if you're not going to take him, we're going to bring him back and and take we're going to take him off the shelf. And, mm. and I feel like it is just a ploy from Arsenal to to make it feel like it's not just like you got to work for me a little bit. I'm, we're not just going to give them to you for free. You got to show an interest and give us a bid that's worthy of his services. And yeah, well, I think the expectations we're going to buy him out. And yeah, this might be a ploy of. <laughs> he's in our plans. It's so clearly he's not because the season started and he hasn't been around. Like who knows where he's been. So, but if it gets us something for him, I'm all for it. Yeah. Who knows? It's, it's one of those situations that I'm not even, I don't even feel stressed about it. Whatever happens, yeah. happens. I'm just kind of sitting back excited to see what happens. Cause the banter will be great either way. Absolutely. And we'll see what Mikhail Scott. No, no kidding. And then looking at Fulham themselves had a bit of a, a rough start for them this season. And Tim Ream with an unfortunate red card, in my opinion, for sure on Saturday, he's, I think the anchor of their defense. How are we feeling going into, into that game? And then any, obviously we're going to have some type of a lineup change with Tomiyasu, not, not being in, assuming his card is not overturned before Saturday. Um, what do you? What are your expectations? What are your thoughts heading into th- our third match of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the the concerning stat is two clean sheets in the last twelve home matches. So it makes me think: Are we how are we going to find a way to give up a goal? I mean, no Mitrovic for them anymore. Paulina has been coming off the bench. So I feel like two of their best players last season aren't going to be in. You could argue Tim Ream as another one of their best players won't be involved because of red, red card. So lots of changes frontline of Deckard over Reed, Raul Jimenez and Harry Wilson doesn't strike me with a lot of fear. And there's not a lot of goals in the rest of the team outside of Pereira. And again, not somebody I'm too worried about some, some quality in the back line and Tete and Robinson at the wing backs. I mean, I'm always worried about Burnt Leno standing on his head as he did in the first game in their win against Everton. I'm always just worried he's going to find a way to do that against us. But yeah, more William coming off the bench to, to find a way to haunt us as well. But I mean, I, I think they're managed very well with Marco Silva, but I, I think they struggle to upgrade. Calvin Bassey and Adama Traore being kind of their big moves and both came off the bench in this last game. Uh, I'm assuming Bassey will be in for Ream and they'd be smart to start Paulinho against us and maybe even Traore too to maybe hit off the break. But 
I, uh, again, I feel confident we should be able to win. I'm, I'm going to go two one, same score in the same fixture last year, just because, you know, I'm actually going to go three one. I think, I think we're creating enough chances and controlling games well enough to where it's going to explode one of these days. And I think with Fulham's first two results, I mean, having to really cling on against Everton and getting pounded by Brentford at home, I think uh, I think this one's for us. I wish we could keep a clean sheet. I'm going to go 3-1, though. Just just because we haven't proven it, uh, that we can do it at home. So Yeah, there's... We can talk about those clean sheets forever. I was yeah. felt like for sure we'd get it match week one, then bet against it at Palace, and now I'm going to go back to it. I think that this will be the first game this season that we look like champions, you could say. Not, mm. not predicting us to win the league necessarily, but a game at home against a team a little bit banged up. I think we're going to see us playing out of feel like we've just been in second gear for a lot of these first two games. And I think mm. I'm new, new guys, new formation, but yeah, I think, I think it's, it's getting closer to, I mean, it has to be getting closer to all coming together. No doubt. And I think predicting the lineup, I'm actually think it's going to be more similar to what we saw last season. I think Zinchenko will come in. I think Gabrielle comes back in Saliba obviously stays. And I think, Benny Blanco goes out to right back and makes his debut for us there. And I think actually Partey sits for the first time this season. I think, I think we, we see even this season, what he's, how valuable he's been to us. I know some people haven't necessarily liked the right back ex- experiment. It's different for sure, but there's no doubt that if you would have told me six months ago, Partey was starting right back for us in the league. I <laughs> would have thought like that. Was it's a ridiculous statement if we're being honest, and no I think we no need doubt. to we need to conserve his legs, and yeah, this is an opportunity to do it. I think we'll go Rice, Havertz, Odegaard in the midfield, and then the front three looks the exact same. I think it's a game that again Eddie has such a chance to, even for his own confidence, get on the get on the the score sheet. He's going to have chances. I don't picture him missing another one or two chances like he had last game. And I think that we score early and then score often enough to walk out of there 3-0. Getting the clean sheet, I think, I'll keep going back to it. I think at home, Arteta is going to be pushing the clean sheet. I think that'll be be a key for him. And that's, that's the goal, so I'll go. Three nil, I love it. I'm, I'm here for that for sure. I think Eddie's a killer at home, and I I think Saka is as well. And I think Martinelli could be due for a goal as well. I like your, I like your shout for the midfield. I think our our back line is, uh, we kind of go back to last season a little bit, and Blanco slides over to right back with Saliba and Big Gabby coming back. And then that's kind of our three was Zinchenko coming in. And Zinchenko coming in, I think, helps Martinelli. And I think it helps Havertz, too. So, yeah, I mean, just can't wait. I mean, 
can't wait. We're at a point with a team. You just, you're so ready for that next game. It's going to be a good time. And the last hot take I will bring, and this one might, I'll give this three out of five peppers of spice. Ooh. I think Trossard not only plays, but gets on the score sheet with a goal. Yeah, he, I'm sure he's, itch. I'm sure he knows his time is coming, but I'm sure he's disappointed after a great preseason to not, not really get much of a chance to do much of anything, but I, I trust that time is coming soon. And yeah, that would be, he, he would deserve that. He just deserves more minutes and there's only so many to give around, but I trust when he's in, he, he'll, he'll produce as he has proven he does for us. Would love to see some cameos from Smith Rowe, from Vieira, mm. maybe even a Reese Nelson if he dresses, getting some guys some minutes who have not played a ton this year and just keep spreading the wealth around. I love it. Yep. It's gonna take a it's gonna take a a big team to do the things we want to do. And we ran out of gas last year, but I think we're we're blooding that team for for big games later so good stuff thanks for hosting you came up with a great list man hey it's been a good time i needed something to do at work today so <laughs> that's what works for right had it taken care of and then hopefully we'll be back maybe sunday night after we're celebrating three wins no draws would be the perfect start to the season can't ask for much more you know it so all right. All right. For Kev, I'm Nick. We're the Arsenal Bros. Thanks for listening and up the Arsenal. <laughs>